Welcome to Elbow Grease. I am your host, Tavisha. Here, we talk about everything fitness. That includes the mental, physical, and sometimes even spiritual. Nothing is off topic. Thank you for joining me again on the sixth episode of Elbow Grease. Today, we are going to talk about nutrition. Uh, and that one size does not fit all. To help me do that today, I have a special guest. Uh, her name is Stephanie Skiba. I am in love with this woman. One, because she is an awesome person, but two, she is passionate about her work, and I felt that it would be an honor to have her be the first guest on Elbow Grease. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, here is Miss Stephanie Skiba. Tell them what you're about, Steph. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, I am a registered dietitian. I've been a dietitian for nine years. I'm also a certified personal trainer. My background is went to Purdue University and majored in dietetics. And a registered dietitian has had a four-year undergrad, bachelor's of science, then a fifth-year internship. Then after that, passing board tests, completing licensing in each state. So we're really, um, us and doctors are really the one's legal to prescribe diets, prescribe supplements, and recommended grams of protein, fat, and carbs. So that makes you the perfect person for this podcast, basically, is what she's saying. (laughs) Um, So I, when I first got into fitness, I didn't really know what the difference between being a dietitian and a nutritionist is, meant, was, or whatever. So can you kind of break it down and tell me what the difference or tell the listeners what the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist is? Yeah, so I I wouldn't either unless I was in the field. But like I said, the dietitian has had the four years and then completing the internship and passing the board test. So I believe a nutritionist has only had a couple classes or a couple hours worth of nutrition. So you really, you just have to be careful. They're not the the gurus in, in nutrition. And like I said, not legal. Um, as far as a, a doctor and dietitians are the only ones legal to prescribe diets and grams and protein. So it gets kind of fuzzy with personal trainers, since I am a personal trainer as well, too, not recommending diets, specific diets and grams of protein and things like that, but just general recommendations they are legal to do. Okay, so basically what she's saying, y'all, is that she's um, the shit and <laughs> badass. So she's a one-stop shop for anything fitness. Basically, she's got you covered, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do here with elbow grease is cover the whole gamut. So that's what we're going to do today is talk about the mental, physical, and spiritual aspects of nutrition and how um, we can continue to strive to be the best in those elements as far as our nutrition um, is concerned. So, Steph, let's let's get right to it. Um, just from a, a layman's perspective, um, what is the, the basis of nutrition? And what I mean by that is how do I go about making sure that I'm doing the right things on the on a very, very basic level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really think one size fits one, and your body changes every seven years. So something might have worked in the past, but now your body has changed, and you're a different person, different environment. So adapting to change um, and being kind to yourself. I, I always tell my clients that I don't eat perfect, so I'm not, I would never ask somebody to do something I couldn't. So having that grace on yourself of get back up when you make a mistake and because it's challenging and people generally know what to do. Okay, I need to eat vegetables, drink water. It's just kind of understanding why they don't do that. So how do I go about determining how many vegetables I need to eat or, you know, where do I get my vegetables? So just, you know, tell, tell, tell me how do I do that? Because mm-hmm. 
what if I don't know? I'm trying, but mm-hmm. I'm clueless. Where do I start? Yeah, I think it comes down to three things of the quality of your food, the quantity of your food, and then the timing. So quality is where I would start, number one, of can you grow this, hunt this, can you pick it, could you milk it? So if you were lost in the jungle, lost in the woods, farming, um, anything that you could grow or hunt is a great way to start. So I can't grow a pretzel, like there's not like a Pop-Tart bush. So moving towards moving towards um, whole foods, and so, yeah, if you can grow it in your garden, broccoli, great. If you can grow a sweet potato in your garden, great, then consume it. Um, so I would just start there of can you grow it, hunt it, and pick it. So basically what I, what I like to say is if it didn't have a parent <laughs> or you can't grow it from the ground, um, I don't want to say don't eat it, but you probably shouldn't have those things if it's not doesn't fit into one of those two categories on a regular basis would that be yeah because our bodies can't make 40 different nutrients so we have to get them from the earth and from animals as well well. 40 different nutrients what's that about so i can't make my own vitamin c i can't make my own vitamin a so i have to get those from foods and from animals good point so if i'm not able to make those how do I how do I get them and like what happens if I don't get them? Well, if you don't get them, deficiencies can occur in many different side effects. So if you, okay, I haven't eaten any fruit in a year, then I have scurvy, and all of a sudden I'm <laughs> losing my teeth and getting bruised and. Um, don't scare energy. the people! <laughs> don't scare the people, Steph. <laughs> it's very hard to nowadays because everything's very fortified. But just like kind of looking at your plate, of uh, half of your plate should be vegetables, something green, color, 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 color. A uh, quarter of your pr- uh, plate should be protein, so that's anything I can hunt or fish, and then a quarter should be some sort of fat. Um, and this, to me, is super. One of the best things I've ever learned is having the carbs with your protein with your fat the vegetables protein and fat so that your blood sugars are stable and you don't get hungry you don't have cravings and your mood energy is stable so is that kind of like the the my food plate that they that the government tells us where or is that no yes uh the government they don't really care about your nutrition so (gasps) when they made that food pyramid back in the 90s it was Oh, they actually asked dietitians. The dietitian said, hey, at the bottom of the pyramid should be vegetables. Like, you cannot overeat vegetables. And without getting into the long wind of it, it was very political. They had to subsidize grains, and they're like, we'll just put that at the bottom of the pyramid. So 6 to 11 servings of grains is what happened. Um, So no, not the government pyramid. Uh, I just kind of use my own of half my plate is something colorful, greens, greens, greens. And then the meat I can hunt or fish. So not a hot dog, not a chicken nugget, something I could literally hunt or fish. Hold on, hold on. So you're going to tell me half my plate needs to be greens? (laughs) You can do frozen vegetables. That's one of my favorite things to do. It's cheap. It's easy. And you can microwave them. You can cook them in some butter so they taste better. And yeah. Okay, so Color. since Stephanie has a body of a goddess, I'm going to ask her, oh where does she, where do you get your vegetables, and what kind of food are you eating, because I want to look like you. <laughs> You're so kind. I need to just come here when I need <laughs> a pick-me-up. <laughs> I, yeah, I just do frozen vegetables, so it's just me and my husband, and I hear that a lot of, oh, it's so hard to cook for one or two people, or the opposite of, oh, it's very hard to cook for a family of five, or I can't afford it, so that's why I like to do frozen vegetables because it's cheap it's easy and they pick them right away and deep freeze them so actually the nutrients are still there um, probably even more so than being picked early when they haven't really matured and become 
very viable in, in mm-hmm. nutrients. So I just do frozen vegetables and then they don't spoil and I cook them in fat. So I cook them in butter. I cook them in olive oil or coconut oil. Okay, that's a point that I want to stick on for a second mm-hmm. is fat because when I'm working with my clients, um, and I'm pretty sure that you know when you're working when you have your one-on-ones with your um, nutrition clients, they all or a ma- good majority of them, um, and I'm guilty of this, and I was at one point guilty of this too, is thinking that we need to cut our fat um, and cut our carbs. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that if you have um, if you're eating carbs and fats, that you can't lower both of them. One of them right. has to be higher than the other. If you right. lower both of them, then you're miss- missing essential nutrients. And then that's when, you know, y- you your attitude gets bad. I know for me, my attitude goes crazy. My body loves carbs. So cutting fat was not a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I com- cut it completely out, then sometimes I notice that I might even gain weight or have less energy and things like th- things of that nature. So can you tell me what happens when you cut fat? out of your diet or completely out or lower it to minimal levels, what happens? Yeah, that was one of the worst things that we did in the 90s was create this fear of fat. So your all of your cells have, this is like just biology 101, they're surrounded by a bilipid layer. Uh-oh, so lipid going, meaning fat. Going scientific. I don't know. <laughs> fat Stay meaning focused, that yeah. all of your cells have a surrounding uh, layer of fat. And actually the your cells are made up primarily of saturated fats and saturated fats are fats that come from animals so that's where we really scared people into hey uh, your cholesterol is higher or you have diabetes or this and that you gotta lose weight stop eating fat but fat the worst thing about fat is that it's called fat Um, there are good and bad types though of fat so when you cut out your fat um, your cells, they couldn't, you need fats to bring in nutrients. So that's why I like cooking the vegetables in butter or some sort of fat, because that will absorb and help be the carrier into the cells, the fat-soluble vitamins. And your brain's 60% fat too. So we now see that when people reduce fat and they increase sugar, they can develop dementia and Alzheimer's, which is really diabetes of the brain. So if you remove fat, so if I have skim milk, skim milk is all sugar fat and sugar are completely different so when you take out fat you're just going to increase your amount of sugar in products or like you saw you you didn't feel well you you weren't losing weight because your body wasn't balanced and you were probably really hungry because fat is so satiating that you started to eat more Mm -hmm. carbs unknowingly what i'm hearing you say is that we need to have balance and that's kind of what I have been trying to impart on my listeners and myself because it is a constant struggle to make sure that we have balance. Mm-hmm. So that kind of brings me to the, the mental aspect of, of nutrition. How does nutrition affect your mental health and your mental well-being overall? Very closely related. So when I work with clients that have depression or anxiety, which is actually the number one prescribed medication in the U.S. is antidepressant medications, we're looking at low blood sugars. So they're having more panic attacks, more anxiety, more depression when they haven't eaten in a while, or they've eaten something very high carbohydrate or high sugar that will be like if you just put a tissue paper on a fire, that it'll go so their moods will be going up and down pretty fast. They might be really hyper and then crash low. Where we want our foods that we can grow, hunt, or pick to be in balance, and that would be like putting a log onto the fire, that it's a long burning 
don't have to be eating every two hours because I'm satiated and I my moods are going to be more stable. What I'm hearing you say is our moods are stabilized if we can balance our food. Let's say we're talking about our menstrual cycle. And when I get my menstrual cycle, I am a beast. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be around me. And I have to go mm -hmm. into my little hole mm -hmm. and just kind of retreat and not be around anybody. Mm -hmm. And at 34, I'm still struggling mm -hmm. on how to uh, not snap. So I have mm -hmm. two options when I'm on my period. I'm either going to snap or I'm either just going to be super quiet and just isolate myself. So for someone like me or anyone else who has difficulties, you know, with their hormonal balance during their during their period, do you have any ideas on what you could eat or drink to help kind of balance your mood? Well, cholesterol makes all of your hormones. Cholesterol makes all of your hormones. I just want to repeat that because again, when people go to a doctor and they see that they have high cholesterol, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there is anything wrong. Your body makes its own 70% of its own cholesterol, but eating cholesterol will make hormones. So it'll make estrogen, it'll make progesterone, it'll make testosterone. So is that something we want to eat more of or less Making of? sure that you always have fat every time you eat. That kind of goes back to what we just talked about a few minutes ago mm -hmm. in lowering our fats. So if you're on a diet or on your period and you're lowering your fats, that probably means you're not getting cholesterol either. So now you got a double whammy, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when women go through menopause, their cholesterol numbers will go up. And that's a good thing because their body's trying to make more progesterone. Well, then and why make are they having all these mood swings? And if we're going, if <laughs> <laughs> how does that, okay. I'm okay. <laughs> well, it goes, goes back to the blood sugar. So every, every time you eat sugar, it will increase your blood sugars. So if I have a high sugar food, and most people know that sugar is candy and cookies, but a lot of people don't know that sugar is bagels and cereal and bread and pasta. So they think, oh, I'm not eating a lot of sugar, but all of all carbohydrates break down into sugar. Um, and as women, unfortunately, when we age, we do become more sensitive to carbohydrates. Okay, so can let, let's go back. That <laughs> I think that's a very important piece. So can you repeat that, please? Yes. Every four grams of carbohydrates turns into a teaspoon of sugar a teaspoon in your in your bloodstream that's like what you feed your baby yeah so you if you <laughs> look at a bagel and you turn the bagel around you look at the nutrition facts label it says total carbs is 57 grams and you divide that by four that bagel will turn into 14 teaspoons of sugar so that's a great way just to look at your products and look, hey, like popcorn and bagels and pasta. And you take those grams of carbs because, again, all carbs break down into sugar, divide it by four, and you can visually see what that is turning into in your, in your bloodstream. So I your body doesn't know the difference between a bagel and a donut. It doesn't know pasta versus a piece of candy. It all breaks down into sugar. I think that is a, a key piece right there is that – uh, being able to see it because we are mm -hmm. a people where it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, yeah, this bagel or this donut has this X amount of sugar in it, but it tastes good. Mm -hmm. So that's not necessarily the first thing you think about mm -hmm. when you are trying to be aware of what you're consuming. So mentally, w what do you think we can do to without getting into like specifics of numbers and all that, like someone who is just on the go, has a job, you know, they work, you know, long hours, they maybe have a kid or two um, and a dog um, and, a, and a spouse to take care of. So how do we mentally get prepared 
to take care of our nutrition when we have all these other things going on and knowing that we have to get a certain amount of carbs or fat and protein that seems like a lot so mm-hmm. on a very basic level what is it that we can do to just get to just get started mm-hmm. mentally one of the greatest things i've heard i forget who it's from so i'm sorry i can't cite it but said that you didn't learn the thing until your behavior changed you didn't learn the thing until your behavior changed mm. so Again, most people know, okay, I need to drink water or eat more vegetables or not go to fast food when I'm hungry at dinner. Um, but until you actually do that, you don't, you haven't learned it. But to get there, I think, yeah, just setting yourself up for success of your environment. So having foods in your house that you could grow, hunt, or pick, making sure that you're eating every three to four hours the carb, protein, and fat. And carb, we want to think of color. So that's fruits or vegetables or sweet potatoes, proteins and fats. Because then if you're eating every three to four hours, and I've seen this time and time again with my clients, they have less cravings. Because we have an abundance of willpower. Mm -hmm. We have to make decisions all day, and we've got kids, and we've got this, and and you're pulling in every direction. And then there's one more thing to think about than the willpower. It's not willpower. You're just exhausted from making choices all day. So having it planned before so that when... Um, push comes to shove you've already had the good food at home um, so utilizing your crock pot so it's this big pot of chilies ready when you come home I think that that's a that's a good point to make because one of the the resounding themes that I hear is I don't have time um, and I'm a firm believer in you make time for what it is that you truly want to do so if a client says I don't have time I say switch that to it's not a priority and see how that feels so they don't have time to exercise. I don't have. It's not a priority to exercise. So just start saying that because that's truth, and see how does that feel. But that's sucky. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not, I mean that that's that's a really good point. I'm gonna have to use that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that note. Um, remind me to write that down. Yeah. So because you would do it if it was life or death. So exactly. If it was life or death for you to get up five minutes early and make yourself eggs instead of sprinting out the door on nothing or taking a granola bar, life or death, you would do it. Right. So it the, the example that I give, um, I give my clients is think about if, and I think I said this on the podcast before, but I want to say it again because I don't think it can be said enough because I have to say it to myself as well. If you just decided, because most people, we eat how we feel. Um, we don't eat because we don't feel like it. We eat because we feel hungry. Um, we eat because we're stressed. We don't eat because we're stressed. So I don't think of eating our emotions as someone who just sits down and eats all the food at one time. I think of it also as skipping meals or not uh, doing what you probably know that you should do and then punishing yourself for that by skipping meals. So all that goes um, into it. And so at the end of the day, what I tell my clients is, or what I ask them is think about if you didn't feel like, if we did everything based off of feelings, if we didn't feel like going to work, Let's say, for example, you have the 2.5 kids in the White House and the BMW and Mercedes in the, in the, in the drive, in driveway. If you didn't feel like going to work for a week or even two months, that's, you know, so it's realistic for people to go without working out for two months. What happens to your job? What happens to your way of life? What happens to your ability to take care and provide for your family? It all goes away. And I think that the reason why we put our jobs um, as such a high priority is, one, because we have to – we have responsibilities, um, but two, it's an immediate, immediate repercussion. So, if I don't go to work, 
I no longer have a job. And it's the, 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 the consequences just compound on top of each other and it snowballs. With your health, it doesn't necessarily compound until years later, unless you know that diabetes or cancer or something of that nature runs in your family, God forbid. But what is it gonna take, and this is what I want you guys to, to mentally think about, and this is something that I do on a daily basis. What is it gonna take for you to make yourself a priority? And that doesn't mean you're neglecting everybody else. It just means that you have to find time for yourself. Um, and so with that being said, I want to move into the spiritual aspect because, as I always say, the mental and the physical, uh, I'm sorry, the mental and the spiritual are connected. Your relationship with food can have a tremendous impact on your spiritual growth. And I, was, I found that in an article on Edge magazine. It goes on to say in this article that people can often overlook the nourishment of their body when on a spiritual path. Um, we are more than our body, um, and again, we are a vessel that we travel with in this life. Um, I agree with that wholeheartedly because it's important to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. I know I say that over and over and over again, but it cannot be overstated. So with that, I want to ask Stephanie, have you experienced people taking advantage of this or not taking advantage of it? And how has your experience with people and their spirituality with food uh, been going thus far in mm -hmm. your experience? Yeah, and like you said, that honoring your body, you keep saying it, but it's true of self-care isn't selfish. So I see that a lot with my clients of taking care of everybody else, but that's not honoring their body and giving their body nourishment so that they can be uh, a caregiver. But our beliefs and habits are reflected in our foods. And I'll see that with our client, especially recently, Robin, who was kind of fasting all day, hoping to lose weight. But then at night, it just compounded of she needed all these nutrients throughout the day. Her body was starving, essentially, and making up for it at night, which wasn't getting her to her goals. So as soon but as we could. Did she even express to you why she was on a not to get into much of uh, her personal business, but did she, did she even express to you why she was fasting? Was it something that she read somewhere? She thought it might be a good idea or what was going on? Yeah, I think with the Internet and different people that it's worked for them when they see something or hear something and it's just easy to find anything that fasting can be helpful. But I, I personally found that it works better for men, but women are not small men. And so we shouldn't eat like them. We shouldn't train like them. We shouldn't eat like them. So we have more delicate hormones. So if we try to fast throughout the day, it's going to mess with our hormones and essentially our fat burning hormones. And your body will always win. If it's hungry, you're going to eat and eat late at night to make up for those calories and then some. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we can get the blood sugars again, number one, can, can you grow it, hunt it, pick it every three to four hours eating that way so that your blood sugars are stable? And Robin said that, like, I'm losing weight and I don't have cravings, which is amazing because we have this distorted thought of I have to lose weight, so I shouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. But you have to eat to lose weight because you're balancing your fat burning hormones. So uh, bringing this full circle, um, food is um, a, a profound doorway into spiritual growth. Now, with that being said, people always will go on a fast, you know, for religious religious reasons, and that's totally fine. But past that, are um, is it necessary to even go on a fast, or why would someone want to go on a fast outside of religious reasons? That's going to be long term beneficial. 
beneficial long term, I should say. Right. I don't see I don't see the benefit unless they're doing it spiritually like you said. So if you think about your car and you are not putting high quality gas in your car and then you decide I'm just going to run it on empty for 3 days. I'm doing a fast for a week and it's all of a sudden fixed your problem or fixed your vessel, the car. It's not going to work. You have to put good fuel in to get that good result the good vessel out i believe and just again like this edge magazine article was was really hit home for me on a lot of different things but it also states that our beliefs and habits are mirrored in our food choices and so how do you how do you feel about that and what do you think about that do you think that that's true or certain aspects of it or talk a little bit more to me about that i think so um for me personally, one of my non-negotiables when I was dating was I had to be with somebody that ate well. And that wasn't to be mean or I couldn't love anybody who didn't. But to That's me, it showed that, extremely important. Yeah, that they were honoring themselves and their body and they cared for themselves so that they could care for me as well, too. Mm-hmm. That they mm-hmm. believed that eating well and respecting their body, honoring their body, honoring the environment was important. And that was huge for me well and i want to and i want to defend you a little bit on 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 this (laughs) on this aspect because some people would be like oh well she's a dietitian so of course she's got to be with somebody that eats well but i think that's a good you know solid foundational requirement just like you want somebody to have their own job and have you know the the wherewithal to you know have common sense and take care of themselves and be able to support a partner in any way that needs to be that needs to happen so i think that that's something to consider um, especially when you're talking about your, your spirituality, because as you know, um, even if you are fasting or you're doing something else with your with your food that's not in concurrence with balance, it's going to affect other aspects of that relationship. But that's not what this podcast is about. Kind of <laughs> went off on a tangent, <laughs> tangent. But I do think that that is uh, a good a good point to make. It's something that I hadn't considered yet. So thank you for putting me onto that stuff. Oh yeah, and a big misconception with dietitians people get really weird around me like they don't want to be themselves or eat around me that I'm always judging but I do not eat perfect and I love telling my clients that of I'm with you like I I want food we want food to taste good because it is spiritual I want you to enjoy your food and enjoy the social aspect and I don't I just don't like sit there eating a plain sweet potato and munching on plain nuts like I want my food to taste well and I love to cook and use fat and spices um, all these gifts to enjoy the whole spirituality of food. And I think that could be a catalyst to venture out and try different things because you don't want to have mundane and plain Jane food all the time. Once you get into uh, really focusing on your nutrition and what works for you, you want to have some variety in your food. So that's going to hopefully, you know, implore you to look up and research different things. So that brings me to my question about you, Steph, and in general, like why, what would be some of the reasons that someone would, hire a dietitian or seek out a dietitian yeah I just read in Mel Robbins book of she's studying the brain and people only change they only change if they're paid to so like you were talking about going to your job you have repercussions if you don't show up for your job if they're paid to if they have a deep why or someone's pushing them so yes I'm the coach and that means that I see better in you and I want to push you to that limit so Someone would hire me just for the accountability and also the push, as well as figuring out what works for their body. So if you sit down with me or I go over 
do consultations over the phone. I ask you a lot of questions and a lot of weird questions to what does your body need? So if you've got this and that symptom, maybe you don't need dairy. You've got this and this symptom. Maybe you need more carbs or less protein or this. So like we said, one size fits one. So it's helpful to have my years of experience and, and any dietitian to have that knowledge of let's try this for a while. And all feedback is good. So they go and they try and then they report back. So if you didn't lose weight, okay, well now we have more data on why that didn't happen so that we can figure it out for the rest of your life. And I, w I want to point out that when you have a dietitian is to figure out how your body works. And just like the title of this episode states, one size does not fit all. Your dietitian is there just like your doctor is there to put the, so to speak, prescribed medications together to get you to where you want to be physically. Um, and hopefully with the addition of this podcast, you can do it mentally and spiritually as well. So with all that being said, Steph, ideally, what do you hope to accomplish as a dietitian? Just talking about you a little bit. What do you hope to accomplish as a dietitian and what are your future plans in that realm, in that world? Yeah, I just want to help serve as many people as I can. I love helping people and encouraging them and being that soundboard um, on their journey. So I just want to be the best dietitian and coach that I can. So now that you have all the knowledge about food, what is one thing that you wish you knew when you first started paying attention to your food that you didn't know that would have saved you a shit ton of time and, and mishaps and mistakes? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so much. I would say, and going back to why would someone hire a dietitian, it's not just for weight loss. So in high school, I wish I knew what I knew now so I could perform better and be a better soccer player um, as well as nourishing for my skin because I had horrible acne. So you can hire a dietitian not just for weight loss but for performance, for skin health, for sleep. Um, it's probably number one thing that people come see me for is sleep. So balancing your blood sugars throughout and then nourishing foods at night to help you sleep as well as getting off medications or... Reducing hot flashes, the possibilities are endless. But yeah, I wish I knew what I knew about sugar. If you see Steph in person, <laughs> you will swear that she's not human because she has like, you know, not literally zero body fat, but it looks like it. So I'm trying to make her human <laughs> to everybody because I, uh, I'm suspect if she's human or not because she literally is no. body goals for me. And if you follow me on Instagram uh, or uh, Snapchat, then you've seen her on it before. Stop. Her shoulders she's are so amazing. Nice. So with that being said, Steph. Oh, Vish, I feel the same way. You're just my cute little nugget. I want to put you in your pocket. So thank you. But we need each other. We need each other to encourage. Right. But I, I mean. Thank you. To, to, to make you seem, you know, a little bit more, more human because you do have like this, this, this badass body. No joke. Um, what is your secret? Like what is the, the one thing, the one takeaway that if, if I wanted to, if I walked up, on, walked up on you on the street today, didn't know you from Joe. What would you tell me is the one thing that you absolutely do not skip, you absolutely must do on an everyday basis if you want to change the body composition of your body, if you want to be better mentally, physically, and spiritually? What is it? Balancing my blood sugars. So I always eat a carb with a protein with a fat. I will not just eat a carb by itself. Carb, protein, fat every three to four hours because then I'm going to sleep better. I'm not going to wake up in the middle of the night, and it helps with body composition and my mood. Yeah. So I think the resounding theme 
of this episode is to one balance your blood sugar um two make sure you're getting enough fats um, because that's also going to affect your cholesterol level and three have fun with it Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day we slack off on things that we don't necessarily like to do so you've got to find the joy in this process and food can be fun i'm pretty sure you feel that when you have your favorite quote-unquote cheat meal or snack i hate using that term but you know for me it's ice cream <laughs> what Mine's is it for deep you dish say? pizza i'm from chicago oh deep dish pizza gotta go deep i'm dish. lactose intolerant so yeah i mean i don't feel great afterwards <laughs> but <laughs> and i just said ice cream and i'm lactose intolerant <laughs> So but that's the thing, like forgi- forgiving your body. Your body is so forgiving. How many times have I eaten terrible things or from the looks of it, never. Tor- but just knowing that, if people think I've messed up, so it's game over. Like no, you get back on the horse, and your body's very forgiving. I think that what most people um, don't realize about someone who looks like Steph is that they don't understand what you are going through, or that they've never been there. And I say it's the complete opposite, and I can go from my perspective. As a boxer, I have to know my weight all the way down to the ounce. So I'm not sure if you've ever had to know your weight down to the ounce, but that is stressful because you absolutely have to know how much water is in your body, how much more water can you drink, how much does that uh, strawberry weigh, because if it's over Mm -hmm. 0.5 of an ounce, you can't have it because it's going to make you overweight, and then you lose your fight. Um, And as you all know, like my goal was to go to the Olympics as a boxer, and so for two years – I had to stay around 112 pounds. Naturally, you know, if I'm working out three times a week and eating, you know, halfway decent, I sit around 125. So on a five-foot frame, that's a little under, what, a, a quarter of my body weight that mm-hmm. I have to lose to, to and stay there. So staying there for two years, it was stressful as hell. So if anything, somebody who's in the field understands. They understand emotion. They understand, you know, uh, you know, not getting enough sleep they understand stress they understand having kids because if they have not experienced it themselves they've had they've done enough research one and two they've had enough clients to understand or to empathize and be able to get you to where you want to go so my resounding theme in addition to what we just mentioned earlier is to trust the process Mm -hmm. if you can trust yourself to do what you need to do then it makes it that much easier to trust the process all in all, that's all that I have. So, Steph, do you want to add anything else? Any last parting words of wisdom that you want to give us? I'm just hung up on you saying you had to be 112 pounds because I don't even remember the last time I was 112 pounds, maybe in, like, fourth grade. So to go along with that, of all bodies are different as well, too. So I weigh 150 pounds, but 12% body fat. So it doesn't matter See, insane, like I told what you, you weigh. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you, you don't have to be 112 pounds. You <laughs> <can> be <laughs> 150 pounds, and it doesn't matter, but you, yeah, eat to fuel. And don't think that she's like this one big muscle and it's unattractive. Steph has a gorgeous body. <laughs> and I do have a huge girl crush on her body. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm putting it out there. So, um, Steph, if people want to get in touch with you, where do they go? Where can they find you? <laughs> Social media. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to start a website. It's, it's happening. January, I promise. I have to do it. Um, Steph Skiba is my Facebook. And Insta, I'm a little bit more private at. But Facebook, Steph Skiba. And you can email me and then we can hook up and I'll give you my phone number if you want to do any consults. 
How do you spell Skiba? S-K-E-B as in boy, A. So is it Stephanie or is it just Steph on Facebook? Steph. Okay. Alrighty. That's it for Thanks our girl. show. Um, and as always, the first step can be the toughest, but that's why Elbow Grease exists. I want you to en- I want to encourage you to hit me up via email or um, social media. The email is elbowgreasepod at gmail, and social media is at Tavisha. I'll spell that. Yes, it's still ratchet, just like last week. T-A-V as in Victor, E-R, S as in Sam, H-A. You can find me on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and then if you want to follow Elbow Grease, it is at Elbow Grease Pod on Instagram as well as Twitter. Remember, what you're going through, someone else may be going through it as well and vice versa. So you never know who you can help just by asking a question. I'm your host, Tavisha, with Coach Steph, Dietitian Steph, all that and all that jazz stuff. So I'm always going to keep it short, sweet, and to the point. So that's my time. See y'all next week, y'all.